tonight, if you will, please, and turn back to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, Luke chapter number five in your Bibles. And I want to bring part two of the message that, uh, that we brought this morning. And so Luke chapter number five, and when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand tonight out of, the, out of respect to the reading of God's word, all right? Luke chapter 5, we'll begin in verse number 16 and read down through verse number 26. The Bible says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God. I'm sorry. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. I want to draw your attention tonight of a good verse number 20. It's our text. And the Bible says, And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. I want to talk to you a little bit about that tonight, the priority of the Savior. The priority of the Savior. You may be seated tonight. We'll take just a minute and we'll review what we learned this morning. And then we'll just jump into some brand new material tonight. I'm going to be honest with you, very doctrinal Second part of the message, I've got a lot of verses that I'm just going to share with you tonight. In fact, I've got so many verses, we probably won't have the opportunity to turn to all these verses, and I'll just sort of spit them out, and you can write some of them down and go back in your devotions, and you can look them up. Uh, But let's talk about that a little bit tonight, the priority of the Savior. Let's go to the Lord tonight. Father, we thank you for your blessings, and Lord, what a privilege to be back in the Lord's house again tonight, and Lord, we appreciate the wonderful music service, and Lord, a great time of worship, and And uh, Lord, we thank you for that, uh, Lord, that challenge, Lord, that uh, Miss Krista just sang about, that it's time that we turn our eyes to Jesus. And Lord, I pray for just a few moments, that's what we would do. I pray that we would forget about all the other cares of this world, and I pray, God, just for a few minutes, I pray that we'll concentrate on our spiritual well-being, our our spiritual life, Uh, Lord, I pray that you would remove every distraction tonight. We, as we did this morning, we do so again. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over the service. 
And Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bind the powers of darkness. And uh, Lord, I pray you'd keep your blessings in tonight. Father, bring to my memory that, that which you've taught me in the study. And I pray that I would communicate it to your people the way you want it communicated tonight. Lord, we're not here to entertain. Father, we're here to expound truth. And so I pray that you'd help us as we do that tonight. Father, if there is one under the sound of my voice that does not know for sure they're on their way to heaven, oh, Lord, help this to be the night. June the 5th, 2022, help this to be the night they get in. Help this to be the night that they come to Jesus. And then, Lord, maybe there's someone here tonight that's discouraged or battling some type of a battle. Father, tonight I pray you'd give them a breakthrough, give them victory, give them a miracle. We're so glad that you're still in the miracle working business. So, Lord, bless our discussion now, please. And we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said amen. Well, several things that we talked about this morning. First of all, we mentioned that public frenzy. Uh, the multitude, the Bible says that the multitudes were, were coming. Honestly, I believe that was probably one of the main points this morning. And, and uh, when I got done with that point, I really started to stop. I really did. Uh, the multitudes were coming from everywhere. And we learned this morning that the response of the Lord was to, to get out into the wilderness and spend time with, with his heavenly Father and pray and we said, as God blesses the work at Calvary Baptist Church, that has to be our response. And we have to pray. As God blesses, as the church grows, as more people get saved, as more lives are changed, as more families come in, uh, should we get prideful? Absolutely not. Should we get complacent? Absolutely not. Now, we've got to get into the wilderness, and we've got to walk with God, and we've got to pray and seek the Lord's face. Then we talked about, secondly, tonight, we talked about that pitiful condition. We said that that man with the palsy was in a, was in a sad shape. That word palsy is the idea of unstrung, like an unstrung guitar string. And he had very little control, if any, over his members. Uh, and when God healed this man, uh, it was undeniable what God had done. And we also said that, boy, what a blessing uh, that God deals in pitiful cases. And God blesses uh, those cases that seem hopeless. And, and by the way, can I just say this real quickly tonight? If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, that's my case. I'm hopeless. Well, uh, if it was up to me, you might be hopeless. If it was up to Brother Mike, you might be hopeless. But when it comes to Jesus, you're everything but hopeless. And uh, Jesus is able to do what man cannot do. And those things that are impossible with God, thank God that they are very possible with the Lord. And that God is able to do what man cannot do. And so we looked at that public frenzy this morning and we noticed that pitiful condition. And then last of all, we talked about those passionate friends. And boy, thank God for those men who were willing, so passionate about getting their friend to Jesus that they were, they were willing to tear up the roof. And, and, and whatever it took, they were willing to get this invalid to the Lord so the Lord could touch him and the Lord could heal him. But that was really introduction. And tonight, I want to deal with, and I don't think we'll be as lengthy tonight, but tonight I want to deal with the main part of the message. And the main part is this, the priority of the Savior. 
Now I want you to look back in your Bibles tonight, if you will, Luke chapter 5, and look, if you will, at verse number 20. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 20, very interesting, very interesting words that the Bible uses here, and I want you to really follow this, if you would. Luke 5, verse number 20, the Bible says, and when he saw their faith, when he saw their faith. Now, I had a man ask me this. He said, whose faith do you think he saw? Did he see the men that lowered him down through the roof, was it their faith? I do believe it was their faith, but I also believe beyond a shadow of any doubt, it was also the man on the couch's faith. And so the Bible says that when he, when Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, what reason ye in your hearts? Whether is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. That's interesting, I've got that highlighted in my scripture. Jesus said, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is proposing a very, very important question here to the Pharisees. And this is the question he says to these Pharisees, which is easier to say? Thy sins be forgiven thee or rise up and walk. Now, what Jesus was saying there is this. It would have been much easier for me to say, thy sins be forgiven thee. Because if I said that, you have no way of knowing it got done or not. Because you can't see the heart. And so if I would have said, rise up. If I would have said, since I said thy sins are forgiven thee, Jesus said, I went ahead and said, rise up and walk so you would know that I have the power to do both. Not only do I have the power to forgive sins, but I have the power to say, rise up and walk. And a visible evidence uh, that a miracle took place just happened. Now, what I want you to understand, church tonight, and this is really the whole crust of the message, the priority of the Savior was to take care of this man's greatest need. Again, look back. Look back at it. Luke chapter five, verse number, verse number 20. Now, here's this, this invalid. Here's this, uh, we learned this morning, the word means enfeebled. Here's this enfeebled man who has no control over his limbs, probably completely paralyzed. He is a hopeless case. And they lower him down through the roof and he's set before the Lord. And the Lord says, in verse number 20, and when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, wait a minute. There were some who would look on and say, that, wait a minute. What he needs is healing. And what I want you to see the Bible teaching us tonight is this, that the priority of the Savior was to take care of this man's greatest need. Now, rest assured, was the Lord Jesus Christ, was he aware of the pitiful condition? He was aware he was aware of the palsy. He was aware of what was going on physically in this man's life. By the way, the Lord Jesus was also aware of the public frenzy. He was aware that not only were people coming from everywhere, but he was aware that there were critics in the room. But notice this, church, before Jesus does anything else, he acknowledges this man's faith and forgives his sin. Why? Why is that? Let me tell you why. Because salvation and forgiveness of sins was this man's vital need. 
Christ was focused on his greatest need. Now, his healing was a great need. That was evident. I, I said this morning, I really, I really believe in my heart of hearts that this palsy was very similar to cerebral palsy. And I mean, I believe this man's body was contorted. I believe he had no control over his limbs and his muscles. And, uh, and, and it was very evident to the crowd that this man was, uh, uh, was very, very sick. And so his palsy, his healing was a great need, but I just came here to tell you something. That was not his greatest need. His greatest need was coming to Jesus. His greatest need was salvation. Now, I'm just going to give you just a couple points tonight, and we're going to be on our way. How about this? First of all, the sinner's greatest need is salvation. Did you know that man doesn't have a more important need than that? You don't have a more important need than that. I can promise you that. Now, our world seems to be consumed with money. They seem to be consumed with a bigger house, a nicer car, a swimming pool. And I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong. I'm just saying this, that your greatest need tonight is not more money and your greatest need tonight is not a larger house and your greatest need tonight is not a nicer car. Your greatest need tonight is not a better job. Your greatest need tonight is not to have more friends. Your greatest need tonight is not even to have better health. And by the way, church, if you have money and you have a nice house and you have a nice car and you have health, let me ask you a question. What is it going to matter if you miss salvation? Matthew 16, 26, the Bible says, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give, give in exchange for his soul? Now, let me say several things quickly tonight, and this, this will help you. And if you've Especially if you're here and you're hearing me for the first time, I want you to just hear me really good tonight. The first thing I want to say is this salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. Acts chapter four, verse number 12, the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that verse that's really got everybody upset today is John 14, 6, where the Lord Jesus Christ said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And there's one little word in that verse that just messes everybody up, and it's a definite article, and it's the word the. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm not one of the ways. I'm not part of the way. I'm not one of the doors. I am the way. I'm the only way that you're ever going to make it to heaven. Listen, church, I'm just telling you that salvation is not through baptism. Salvation is not through the sacraments. Salvation is not through the catechism. Salvation is not having your name on the Baptist roll and being a charter member of the church. I'm telling us tonight, and this is not a popular message anymore in America, but please hear me out tonight. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And you'll never make it any other way. Salvation only comes through Christ. How about this? Through Christ, our sins are forgiven. Acts 13, 38. The Bible says, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. 
In Ephesians chapter one and verse number seven, the Bible says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Listen, the only way to salvation is Jesus and through Christ our sins are forgiven. Now I am a pope, but I am not the pope. But if I was the pope, and I mean no disrespect by this, I would have no more power to forgive your sins than I do right now. Because a pope can't forgive your sins and the pope can't forgive your sins. And a preacher cannot forgive your sins and the priest cannot forgive your sins. You say, whoa, 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 preacher. No, what I'm preaching is in the word of God tonight. There is only one way that you're gonna have your sins forgiven and that is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. I remember the story I heard about the uh, lady was uh, uh, facing a surgery and she'd went to a Catholic hospital and, and uh, uh, they were preparing her for that surgery that day and she was getting ready, they were getting ready to come and take her down to the operating room and right before she was going to surgery, uh, a priest that worked there as a chaplain in the, in the Catholic hospital uh, came to a room and he walked in and, he, and it was sort of abrupt, you know, and you could tell he had a lot on his mind and... and uh, he acted a little bit more like she was a bother than a blessing. And so he just walked in and he said, hello, daughter, hello, daughter. He said, uh, would you like me to absolve your sins before you go into surgery? And she said, can I see your hands? And he said, daughter, daughter, I don't have a lot of time. I, I just want you to know something. Do you want me to absolve your sins before you go uh, into surgery? And she said, sir, can, can I see your hands? And he really got flustered and, and he said, hands, hands, hands. Why do you want to see my hands? There's my hands. And she looked back and she said, wrong hands. She said, the only hands that can absolve my sins have nail scars in them, amen. <laughs> oh, I want to tell you something. Through Christ, our sins are forgiven. I want to say something else. If our sins aren't paid for by Christ, they'll become our own responsibility. If your sins aren't paid for by Christ, they'll become your own responsibility. John chapter eight, verse number 23, the Bible says this, and he said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world. Jesus said, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. In other words, Jesus was saying this, church, if you don't allow me to pay the penalty for your sins, you're gonna pay the penalty yourself. And by the way, that penalty is death. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And not only is it physical death, but it's spiritual death. The Bible says that if we die in our sin without Jesus as our Savior, and I know this isn't popular preaching anymore, but I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. And, uh, and our Bible says that if you die without Jesus Christ, that eventually hell will be your destiny. Now, do I enjoy coming in here tonight telling you that? No, I do not. Man, I'm so thankful the more sang about heaven tonight. I don't know about anybody else. That blessed me. And so do I, I, do I relish in coming here tonight and tell you that there's a hell and if people die in their sin, they're gonna go to hell? No, but, but I will tell you this. If I love you, 
I'll tell you the truth. If I know, listen, if I know you're rolling down the road down here and the bridge is out, and if I know the bridge is out and I don't warn you, what kind of man am I? If I know the bridge is out and I know that you and your family are going to run off the bridge and and it's going to be sure destruction, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wave my arms and I'm going to wave a flag and I'm going to say, whoa, 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 don't go that way. Don't go that way. The bridge is out. And I'm just telling you, what you're hearing tonight is a preacher who's saying, hey, don't go that way. There is a hell. And you don't want to go there. And so if our sins aren't paid for by Jesus, They become our own responsibility. I'm going to say something else. Sin is what we're saved from. Matthew 121, the Bible says, and she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Need a little bit more? How about 1 John 1, 7? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. You know, especially here in the South, everybody wants to say they're saved. If you ask people, are you saved? Oh, yeah, I'm saved. And sometimes I want to stop and ask people, what are you saved from? What are you saved from? Oh, I'm saved, still living the same old lifestyle. I mean, still in bondage to alcohol, still in bondage to drug addiction, still in bondage to pornography, still in bondage to to evil faults, still in bondage to lust, still in bondage to temper, still in bondage to bitterness, still in bondage to anger. And they want to say, yes, I'm saved. Listen, if you've been saved, you've been saved from something. And our Bible says you've been saved from sin. Now you say, Pastor, what's your point tonight? And this is my point, and I'm going to be honest, this is the Bible's point. A person does not have a greater need than Jesus Christ. That's exactly why when this invalid was placed before the Lord before he did anything else, he acknowledged his faith and said, Thy sins are forgiven thee. Why? That was his greatest need. That was his priority. And so the sinner's greatest need is salvation. But last of all tonight is this. The Christian's greatest priority is winning people to Christ. That's our greatest priority. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us here in Luke chapter 5. You say, Pastor, people need to be fed. You're right. You're right about that. And we do that as a church. We often feed people that are having a tough time. People need to be fed. But I want to tell us something, Calvary. That's not people's greatest need. Their greatest need is Jesus. Their greatest need is salvation. People need to be healed, but that's not their greatest need. Somebody, you, you say, but, but pastor, they've got cancer. And by the way, that's terrible. Somebody's going through chemotherapy. That's terrible. That's tough. It's harsh. But if somebody has got cancer, and they're lost, please understand something. Cancer, being healed from cancer is not their greatest need. Jesus is their greatest need. Salvation is their greatest need. 
People need to be clothed. People need to be accepted. But that's not their greatest need. Their greatest need is salvation. By the way, Christian, can I direct this to you? Christians need to be nice. But that's not your most important priority. Your main priority is getting people to Jesus. And so if people think you're kind, praise the Lord. But if you share Jesus and they don't think you're kind, praise the Lord. Because regardless of what the world thinks about you, our priority as a church is to get people to Jesus Christ. And so you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, my main priority in life is to be kind. Not your main priority. Do I want you to be kind? Yes. But your main priority is not to be kind. Your main priority is to lead people to Jesus Christ. Your main priority is not making money. Your main priority is not carrying out your dream. And I'm not against your dream. You say, Pastor, I want to be a big exec somewhere and I want to carry a briefcase and I want to have an office on the 50th floor. And I'm not saying there's one thing that's sinful about that. But I am saying this, Calvary, that's not your greatest priority. Your greatest priority is not being a big exec for Bank of America or, or whatever, or, or, or Wells Fargo or, uh, or IBM or Apple or, or, uh, or whoever else. Your main priority and my main priority is getting people to the Savior. Our main priority. By the way, sometimes churches have a tendency to get a little sidetracked concerning their priorities. Are we against abortion at Calvary? Yes. But that's not our main priority. Some churches get so, they get so caught up with fighting abortion that they get away from the main priority. Now, we're going to take a stand against abortion, but that's not our main priority. By the way, church, you know, a lot of churches are doing this nowadays. You know, they're having politicians come in and speak, and, you know, we're trying to get this politician, uh, you know, uh, voted in, and this politician voted in, and I guess, I guess none of that's sinful necessarily. But I want to tell you something. Being a precinct captain or trying to get more people down to the voting area is not our main priority. And by the way, how many know this? It's not a Democrat or a Republican that's going to save this nation. It's only Jesus Christ. And so understand that the church's main priority is not politics, it's not abortion, it's not fighting the homosexual movement. Now, are we against that? Yes. But are we going to spend all of our time getting caught up in these things? I hope not, because that's not our greatest priority. Our greatest priority at the Calvary Baptist Church is this. We have to get people to Jesus. That's what we're all about at Calvary Baptist Church. Hey, can I show you something real quick, and we're going to be done. Would you turn over in your Bibles to John chapter 4? Wow, what, a, what an interesting story. And, and honestly, church, the wheels are on the runway. We're getting ready to bring this thing to a close. John chapter 4. We read a story where Jesus and his disciples are traveling to Galilee from Judea. And Jesus decides to make their route straight through a place called Samaria. Now watch this, because I believe this will... 
help us tonight. In fact, if you're in John chapter four, I want you to look at verse number three. John four, verse three, the Bible says, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And verse four says something very interesting. The Bible says, and he, Jesus, and he must needs go through Samaria. Significant? Very significant. In fact, can I just, can I act it out for you real quick? Mike, can I use you real quickly? Don't just come up here. Stacy, can I use you real quickly? Come up here if you will. What was this thing with the Samaritans and the Jews? And we've heard about that and talked about it a lot, but I, I want to explain to you what's going on. And so Solomon has passed off the scene. King Solomon, one of the wisest men that's ever lived, King Solomon's passed off the scene, and he has a son by the name of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam takes the throne. Remember the story? The Bible says Rehoboam, brand new king, and he, he gets the older men together, his, his seniors, and he says to those older guys, he says, what advice do you give me? And they said, well, here's what we would advise you, Rehoboam. Your daddy was tough. He was tough. If you'll be a servant to the people and speak kindly to them, they'll love you and they'll serve you. Well, that was good advice, by the way. But then Rehoboam did something else. He brought in the younger men. And he said to those young whippersnappers, he said, what's the advice that you give me? And they said, I'll tell you what you do. You go out there and tell the people, you think my daddy was rough, you ain't seen nothing yet. He chastised you with whips, I'm gonna chastise you with scorpions. And boy, and, he, and, and that's the advice he took. And he came out and he spoke harshly to the people. And here's what's happened. The kingdom split. And so there were 10 tribes called Israel that stayed in the north. This is the 10 tribes of Israel. There were two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, that were in the south. But something else happened. You see, the way, the, Lord, the way God had set it up was this. God wanted his people to travel down to Jerusalem to worship. When Jeroboam became the leader of these 10 tribes, this is what he said. We're not going down to Jerusalem anymore. We're not going to go down there. Worship's too far to go. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up our own gods. And so they begin to set up idols and all kind of idols. And these 10 tribes of Israel became an idolatrous nation. Terrible. Steeped in sin. Not only that, but later on, Assyria came and conquered these 10 tribes of Israel and Israel began to intermarry with those Assyrians. And so now you've got half Jew, half Assyrian. You've got half Jew, half heathen, half pagan. Really, you've got 100% heathen. And because of that, the, the Jews in Judah saw these people as half-breeds. You understand the animosity between these two was incredibly strong. They hated each other. It was that bad. In fact, did you know they tell us this? They tell us that a Jew, if a Jew came in close proximity to a Samaritan and the sun was casting a shadow of the Samaritan, that the Jew would walk around the shadow. He didn't want to even be in the shadow of a 
Samaritan. You know why? They hated each other. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate that. Now, you say, Pastor, why'd you tell that story? Very important reason. Because Jesus knew about all that. He knew about that contention. He knew the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. He knew there was animosity. He knew there was hard feelings. He knew all that, and yet, he still went through Samaria. You know why? Because Jesus knew there was going to be a fallen woman at a well. And although she was a Samaritan, a half-breed, half Assyrian, half-Jew, Jesus said, I'm going to win her to myself. You know why? Because that was his greatest priority. Winning people to himself. I'm going to ask you a question. How willing are you to go against the grain to win somebody to Jesus Christ? Interesting story. Christopher Searcy was playing basketball with his friends on May the 16th, 1998, when he was shot in the chest and a bullet perforated his aorta. His friends, realizing what had happened, helped him get to within 40 feet of the entrance to Ravenswood Hospital, and then they went inside and asked for help. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. The hospital staff refused to help Christopher, saying that it was against the hospital's policies to administer aid to those outside the hospital. After a little while, a policeman finally went out and picked up this young man and put his slumped body into a wheelchair and took him into the hospital, and they helped him. But it was too late. You say, Pastor, what's that got to do with anything? A lot. You know, there are a lot of churches in America, and this is their attitude. As long as you come here, we'll help you. If you walk in that door back there, we'll help you. If you walk in that door, we'll preach to you. And yet there's a world that's dying around us, that's lost without Jesus, living in darkness. You know what there needs to be in Union Grove, North Carolina? There needs to be a church that says, hey, if you come in, we're going to help you. But if you never come in, we're still going to help you. In fact, if you don't come to us, thank God, we're going to go to you. But aren't you glad that when we couldn't go to him, thank God he came to us. It's our greatest, it's our greatest priority. I read this story this week, and I'm going to tell you what, church, it just, it challenged me. I don't know if you recognize that face or not. In the 1840s, a man by the name of John Getty was pastoring a church in Nova Scotia, Canada, and got a burden. He took his wife and two small children to the South Sea Islands, to begin a mission work there. They said that his voyage was over 20,000 miles when they finally landed in the Hebrides Islands. At that time, the island was literally filled with cannibals. In fact, they said this in his biography. They said that more than 20 crew members of a British ship had been killed and eaten just months before the Gettys arrived on their mission field. They faced the difficulty of learning a language that had no written form. They faced the difficulty of being constantly threatened with murder and assassination. And the story went on to say this slowly at first, a few converts came, and then soon many more received the gospel. 
Getty continued his ministry faithfully, including translating the entire Bible into the native language and planting 25 churches. For many of those years, he labored without any help. Little word from home. Very little encouragement. And yet he and his wife stayed faithful. I love this. In the pulpit of that church today, pastored for so many years, stands a plaque in his honor, and this is what it reads. Quote, when he landed in 1848, there were no Christians here. And when he left in 1872, there were no heathen. I ran that this week and that set me on fire. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians here. When he left in 1872, there were no heathen. You know what? John Getty learned a valuable lesson. And this was the lesson that the most, the greatest priority and that the Savior's greatest priority was not healing. His greatest priority was salvation. In church, our greatest priority is salvation. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you don't have a greater need. Your greatest need is getting to Jesus. And I can promise you this, Satan's going to do everything he can to keep you away from it. If you're here tonight and, and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, honestly, I'm going to tell you what I'd do in just a moment. I'd run down this aisle. And I would get to Christ just as fast as you could. Whatever you do, I implore you, don't leave this place lost without Christ. Would you bow your heads with us tonight? Father, we love you. And thank you for this reminder of our greatest priority. Lord, we're planning on, as a church, we're planning on feeding the hungry. As a church, we're planning on clothing the naked. God, as a church, we're planning on lifting the fallen. We're planning on doing all those things. But Lord, those things are not our greatest priority. Our greatest priority is getting people to the Savior. Father, I pray that you'd work in this invitation tonight. And we thank you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. A couple questions without anybody looking around, just for a few moments. How many are here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would go to heaven. If that's you, you say, Pastor, I know that I'm born again. If that's you, without anybody looking, as a testimony, would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Pastor, that's me, I know I'm saved. Praise God, that's wonderful, wonderful. Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. Oh, listen, I want to ask you something super important, though. How many are here tonight? And you say, Brother Pope, I'm going to be honest. If I died right now where I'm seated, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, I'm just not sure. Oh, I want to go. I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure I would. Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Oh, preacher, please pray for me. Pray for me. 
with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now all over the house? God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go. Would you pray for me? Come on. Slip it up really high. Raise it really high for me. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that. I'm going to pray for you tonight. I'm going to pray for you. I'm so glad the Lord's dealing in your heart right now. How many are here tonight? You'd say, preacher, if I died tonight, I know I'm saved. I've already raised my hand about that. But pastor, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. I know I'm not. I'm not. Pastor, I'm just not in the will of God like I need to be. And I want you to pray for me. And right now, you'd slip up your hand. You'd say, preacher, remember me. God bless you. Who else? God bless you. Who else? Who else? I want to pray for you tonight. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you over here. God bless you. Who else? Preacher, I'm not really where I need to be in the will of God. Would you just slip your hand up? Let me pray for you tonight. Is there another? I see that hand. Is there another? Is there another? Would you do me a big giant favor? Would you stand all over the house? Father, we thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, thank you for reminding us of our greatest priority. Lord, our greatest priority as a church and as Christians is getting people to the Savior. That's our greatest priority. Lord, for the lost, their greatest priority is getting to Jesus. So Lord, tonight, those that have raised their hands and said that they're not sure about heaven, oh Lord, tonight, June the 5th, 2022, Lord, help this to be the night. Oh, God, help this to be the night that they come to the Lord. Father, have your way in this invitation. Lord, those that need to rededicate their lives to Christ, I pray that you'd help them to come. God, have your way, please, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed, our personal workers. If you're not already in the altar, I'm gonna ask you to come right now, our personal workers. And if you're here tonight, we're gonna just, just for a moment, we're going to keep our heads bowed just for a moment. And if you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about heaven. I want you to step out right now. Would you come? Would you come? We've got somebody up here with a Bible. And uh, we'd like to show you from the Word of God how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die, okay? Would you come while we wait? If you raise your hand tonight and you say, Pastor, it's me, would you just step out and come right now? Come on, come on, would you come? Father, I'm thankful.